Welcome to On the Horizon with Mark. We are uh, come to you on the road from Pine Hollow. We did miss a week because uh, we were busy last week. We were, went over to uh, to Vale and did a little uh, bird hunting. I finally got my first pheasant. Mark, they can't hear you if you're way over there, son. You got to come over here. We're around the campfire tonight doing a podcast and... Uh, had a good time bird hunting last week. How'd we do last week, Mark? Uh, we did pretty good. We got, was it five ducks and... We got five ducks. Five ducks and four, four quail, quail. And one pheasant. A chucker. Oh, a chucker and a and pheasant. A pheasant. Had a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit of a drive to get there, yeah? Yeah, seven hours. Seven hours, <laughs> a little bit of a drive <laughs> for a quick weekend hunt. Yeah. Fun. How was the uh, overall experience? Upland. That, that this was your first upland bird hunting experience. How was that for you? It was. It was amazing. Yeah. Honestly, but the dog that we were hunting with almost screwed up the dog hunt. I mean the duck hunt. The duck hunt. Yeah, the duck hunt. Remember? Okay, that's that's a little bit too far forward. So let's back up to. Oh, okay. The the first the first morning. Oh, the first morning. So the first morning is. Kind of rainy, cloudy-ish. Rainy, cloudy. wasn't too windy. It it was it had a slight breeze. A slight breeze, and so we uh, went up to the local cafe. It's called uh, Willow Creek Store, Store and cafe. cafe. How was the breakfast burrito that you had? <laughs> Tell good. me how you described that breakfast burrito. It's pretty good. No, I'm the not... size of it. Oh, it was like so. Picture four baseballs. Stacked, stacked, stacked on top of each, each other, other, wrapped on a tortilla, yeah. and covered in potatoes. It was humongous. It was. Humongous. I'm not a big egg and cheese fan, but that's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, what was his name? Uh, um, forgot his name. I did too. It, He's the owner. The owner. It, He's kind of the cook too. Yeah. So, God, it slipped my it slipped my mind. So, uh, this cafe, our cousin. Brad. Brad, his sister used to own it, and she then he had. S- then she moved back to Utah and sold it to uh, a friend of theirs. And a couple years ago, they had a really bad winter storm, and, the and it actually in. caved the roof in on the store. And Brad rebuilt. Brad, my cousin Brad's got a home building company, and he and he rebuilt the too. rebuilt the roof. Re- basically rebuilt the whole store. Yeah. And when we showed up that morning, he had just done his first batch of pepperoni sticks, and those were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I forgot what he mixed in with it. I don't remember, but so they're pretty good. So then we get a game plan once the rain kind of died down. And it's it's pretty cool. So Brad dropped us off. Because uh-huh. we were because we were gonna circle around to each other, so he dropped us off in this cornfield, and we were walking. We got halfway down the road, and then there were two does and a fawn. Yeah. The the fawn actually like got pretty close to us. Was that pretty cool watching that fawn kind of yeah. walking to us, kind of? Hey, what are you idiots doing out here in the middle of this cornfield? <laughs> and then the mom was like, "I'm not too sure about these people." Yeah. So we sit there and we watch the fawn kind of checking us out, and then the 
the mom, we could actually see her neck. She was looking at us, we could see her neck going in and out. It was, I'd never seen a, a doe do that before. That was pretty cool. So we get through the cornfield, no pheasants. We get around to the rest of the fam family because, you know, half a veil is related to us. Yep. <laughs> we get down, we get into a chunk of property. We see a rooster pop up. One of the Jacob's relatives, I think it was, I don't think it was Rick. I think it was uh, the older fella, the older Jacob's. I think it was Bob. No, one of the older Jacob's relatives, he shot a rooster out of the air. That was pretty cool watching that, right? Yeah. So we were, pro- we were probably like 75 yards away, and this rooster was flying through the air. And, all, and we could see it the whole time flying, but he had some trees in front of him. And all of a sudden, he was like, oh, there it is. Boom, misses the first shot, second shot, boom, dropped it. It was it was pretty cool. I did make the from, mistake. From being, from being at a distance, watching it, that was pretty pretty cool to watch. I did make the mistake and try to pull up on it, which was... Yeah, at 100 yards away with 20 ex- gauge, ex- you definitely were going to... You definitely were not going to hit that. Yeah. <laughs> then we circled back around. And then you got That's a when me and Jake... Uh, so when me and uh, Brad each shot a quail. Brad was shooting a pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. It was over and under. It was over and under. Yeah. The uh, the over and under is the true uh, bird hunting. upland bird hunter's shotgun for sure. So we worked our way back, and then we sat at the edge of the cornfield waiting for the truck to come back around and pick us up. And then what did you and Brady do while we were sitting there? Uh, we were shooting at uh, doves. <laughs> Eurasian doves. It was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. The first time, the first time they came around, yeah. we were unloading our shotguns. Okay, so time out there, and before we get too far, let's introduce everybody that's here. So I'm your host, Mark Leathers. Got my son here, Mark Leathers Jr. Go around the table this way. Introduce yourselves. Denise Kofer, Mark's mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma. So I got my uh, mother-in-law, and my father-in-law here. We're sitting around the fire. So tell us about the Eurasian doves you guys shot here. Well, I never had them before, but uh, Chris was saying how good they were. So we were we were burning in what two piles or whatever, and they, they always come into the deer feeder. So Chris whacked one with a pellet gun, and we uh, cooked it on the coals. It was it was damn good food. I never had one, but it did was, you have it? Oh. Did you fry it? Nope, we just wrapped it up in aluminum foil like you would out hunting and threw some pepper on it and called it good. And uh, yeah, but, so I've been shooting them ever since. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not something that somebody driving down the road thinks of as a meal. Nope, never even thought of it till he brought it up. But I guess back in the, where he, where he grew up, they shot them all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no, there's no season, no limit on them. So you know, it'd take a pile of them to make a meal. But, <laughs> but it's, it's a good appetizing snack for a cheap thrill, for yeah. a good, a good hunting experience. Took you about three minutes on each side. And they were, they were really good. Yeah. All right. So after we, uh, you guys stood on the side of the road shooting doves, uh, fifty feet in the air. <laughs> the, so then we uh, went to another friend's property. Worked an area. I, I got my, I got my first quail. You got your first quail, and there was some question and debate on whether or not you hit the dog. I didn't hit the dog. <laughs> uh, 
The dog showed signs that he may have been touched by a pellet or two. <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't even see Well, it wasn't, the... not Brady, uh, but what was the other kid's name? Braden. Braden. Braden was concerned that you may have hit the dog. He went and checked the dog out. The dog did show some signs for a minute that you may have got him with a pellet or two. But you got your first quail. Took a little, took a little bit of a drink going to get it. Yeah. Was that creek a little deeper than you thought it was? Yeah. So you learned your lesson about not going somewhere without your gators. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you wear gators, take your gators everywhere you go. And then we got, after we got there, um, we circled around to, because we saw a, a rooster pheasant fly out of the trees. Yeah. But there were five or six of them. And yeah, we, we probably saw, I would say, at least five roosters fly out of the bushes as we were walking. Yeah. And then we circled around to find them. And then the dog points. And everybody gets excited. Yeah. He so, flies up, and I put two pellets in So my my, you're getting ahead of us. So my cousin Brad's got a uh, German wired-haired pointer. Name Jack. Jack. Good dog. Pretty funny dog. Getting a little old. Good dog. So we work away work our way around this field and uh, see a couple roost see a couple roosters, see a couple hens floating into the the cut cornfield. Keep working our way around, nothing within shooting distance. Nope. And then we finally get to where the dog is pointed on one. I'm off to your left. Yeah. You're probably 20 yards away to my right. Mm-hmm. The dog is pointed on one. And Brad goes into flush. No, no, Brad didn't do. Yeah. We had Tilly. Yeah, Tilly. Tilly, the other, the lab, she's kind of a, she's a kind wing of a nut. Dork. Yeah, she, she's not very. She, Brad admitted she's definitely not the smartest lab she's ever had. Jack gets pointed on one and she just goes barreling in there before he could get a hold of her to not let her flush it out. And I was using at the time my dad's my mom's 12 gauge. No you had the 20 gauge I had the 12 gauge. Mm-mm. Did we had already switched by then? Yep we have oh. already switched by okay, then. Okay so I had the 20 gauge you had the 12 gauge. Mm-hmm. So Tilly goes and blows this bird out. What did you see? Oh uh, I saw a bird and started shooting. <laughs> you saw a bird and started shooting. <laughs> And then Brady shot. I saw saw a rooster flying straight at me, and I shot three times, and it was still flying, and I was very not happy with myself that this bird was still flying. And I think that's what it was, is I had the 12-gauge before that, and I'd switched to the 20-gauge, and I'm pretty sure I shot in front of it every Mm -hmm. single time. But between all the shooting, it did, we did hit it, because when it went floating off into the oh, cornfield, it was kind of locked up. And it it was definitely not showing any signs that it was trying to go anywhere else but find a spot to to land. No. So, so was that pretty exciting, that first rooster jumping up and shooting at it? Yeah. Yeah. And then we worked all the way down the side of the cornfield where we last saw it. And then we get to the edge, we're talking, and then the dog walks over. Okay, time out. Oh, Bef- time out. By the time we got to the edge of that f- cornfield, 
I was already thinking that we had not gone out far enough, why, far enough into that cornfield from where I had seen it get fly. Light. So we get to the edge of the field. We're sitting there shooting the shit. The dog starts walking. And I know, thinking what that we hadn't gone far enough, that I wanted to continue going that way. I took about three steps, and that dog had already locked on to where that rooster was. It is pretty funny because, like you, like you probably are going to say, is the dog was looking down, looked up at you, and then looked down. Like yeah, so I walk up to Jack, and he's got this bird. He's pointing at the bird, and I can't see the bird because the cornfield is cut, and it's hiding in the... If anybody has ever seen a cornfield cut, it's got a lot of ro- stem rows left in it. And I walk up on the dog, and I'm maybe about 10 feet away from the dog. And the dog, I can see his eyes look up at me and look down at the bird, look up at me. And I'm trying to use where the dog's looking to find where the bird's at because I still can't see it at this time. And then pow. And then I finally saw it there on the ground. And I wasn't going to take any chances. I just pulled up and shot it. Finally like, found it, shot it. Brad said you should have tried and grabbed it. Brad said I should have. Just reach down and grab it, but at that point I wasn't going to take any chances of letting my uh, my first my first pheasant get away. Exactly. Was that pretty cool? Yeah. I still think you should have reached down and grab it. Yeah. But we were all behind you. Did I still look like a bad mofo just looking down? It would. <laughs> no. It would have been better if you would have grabbed it. Yeah. You think it'd have been cooler? It'd been more of a John Wayne moment if I'd have just reached down. Grabbed it, yeah. So I didn't know that pheasants had spurs on them. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Big ones sometimes. Yeah. The one that I got, they had pretty good, they weren't quite half an inch, but they were still pretty good size. But I, yeah, I'd never know. I did, I'd never known that. Like I said, that was my first pheasant I'd ever shot. I'd never pheasant hunted That's before. That's the story that you'll hear that where they sour a dog once in a while on pheasant because they, they're still alive when they grab them. And yeah the hell out of them yeah yeah because the way this all came about is a couple it was probably a month or two ago i put out on facebook that i had never pheasant hunted before and i was wanting to know if anybody knew any places that had pheasants that i could go work and then my cousin piped up hey come on down for the weekend and so yeah that was pretty cool he put us up showed us a good time we got a pheasant first morning yep you and brady were pretty pooped after the first morning of hunting yeah so you me and brad went out and uh kind of explored a little bit of blm land we got into some chuckers and then they shot ducks without us (laughs) so so we went up on some blm land and got into a little covey of chuckers we actually shot four of them but we could only find one because they blend in so well with the, the sagebrush. I was literally standing right where I remembered one being dead. And Brad was looking from where we were shooting. And I'm like, it was right here. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly where I remember one being. And I looked around and we did circles and circles and circles. And we still could not find them. But we did, Jack did recover one. And then on the way back, we did uh, pond jump, a couple ducks. Did Jack almost ruin that one too? Uh, the, f- the first, the first 
pond we jumped. Yeah, Jack almost ruined that one. He was pretty excited. He wanted to get after some ducks. I want some quackers. Yeah. <laughs> get it, quackers? Yes, I got it, quackers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we have... So that was day one. We got a pheasant, a couple of quails, and a chucker. The next morning we went out, really didn't see much. It was windy. Holy moly, the wind really kicked up the next morning. We got into a good we got into a good batch of quail. Almost shot the dog again. What? Well, I pulled up on a quail that was on a log, and Jack was right behind him, so I didn't pull the trigger. But Oh, so, you're the, so you almost <laughs> but, shot the dog this time. I, I would have shot the dog, but I saw the dog was behind him, so I didn't. Oh, was that on the... That was on the backside of that pivot that we saw. Yeah. All were... We there was were, like 30 of them. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of them, and we just... And the, the three of us just started blasting away. And then I look around, and apparently I... I forgot to put more bullets in, so I looked around, and then I shot. I shot the last one that was getting what, ready to go into the field. What did your dad say before we left the house? Get more bullets. Get the more. What bullets. did you not do? I did not grab any more bullets. So what did you have with you the rest of the time we walked around that field? An uh, empty shell. You had one bullet. <laughs> you had one shotgun shell left. No, so that shell that was in there, it apparently oh, yeah, was empty. We, no, we got into a. We got into some quail before that, and the last time you had shot, you didn't eject the shell out yeah. of the shotgun, <laughs> and when we you got had open you had opened the breech of the shotgun and looked in. Oh yeah, there's a bullet. There's a shotgun shell in there, and racked it, but you, it was an empty. <laughs> figured out that the movies are. It's not like the movies. Yeah. Yeah, because we got into some quail, and we were going to let you shoot. Me and Brad were both standing there. Mark pulls up and goes to shoot, and it doesn't do anything. No, that was looking. on the ducks. That was on the duck pond. Was that on the duck pond? Yes, that was on the duck pond. I was like, why won't this thing shoot? <laughs> and then empty, I eject the shell. an empty shotgun shell because you didn't rack another one in. So I ejected it and then put another one in there, and then I shot one that went under the water. I thought that was pretty cool to watch the duck try to avoid my pellets and go under the water. I did watch you shoot at a duck three times and shoot over the top of it all three times. Yep. Each time I shot, I said, you're shooting too high. Boom, it shoots again. You're shooting too high. Three but in I a row. But I keep going down. I was, <laughs> like, my barrel shooting. was, like, on the fence almost. And it still was shooting high. Don't feel bad. It happens. Right it happens You're with blind, shotguns. So. <laughs> <laughs> before, I, yeah, before that happened, I couldn't shoot Yeah. But no, we had a good time. Shot a bunch of animals. Had a good time upland bird hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On the way back, the sunlight was in the eyes. That, that, was, that was terrible. Yeah, I hate, I hate driving east in the morning and west at night. It's always been in the ass. All right, so got the in-laws here. Denise told me a very interesting story that I would like her to tell now about your f- first elk hunting trip. <laughs> tell me that story. Which one is that? <laughs> oh, the one where she asked her dad if she could go elk hunting. Oh. I, uh, okay. Yeah. Time before we get to that. Before we get to that, Denise, tell us how you got 
introduced into hunting and then move into that one from there? Um, just like any normal kid, I went to a hunter safety course when I was 12. Did it through the grade school. And that's pretty much, I mean, I was raised in hunting. My family would go to the Ochicos every year and we would deer hunt. So it was just, I mean, that's just what we did. And um, so, kind of long story short, I started hunting when I was 12. And um, my first encounter um, deer hunting was with my dad. And we were out walking the woods and he was pointing out things I should look at, watch for the ears to flicker, watch for a tail to flip behind a tree, um, always look over a log before you step, and just the basics of hunting. And so we're walking out in the Ochicos and we went to step over a log and it's one of those practice what you preach because we didn't look on the other side of the log and a buck jumped up <laughs> we almost stepped on and scared the living daylights out of my father and I. Long story short, I went to pull up to shoot. My dad stopped me because he said that um, it was not the right, it wasn't a good enough shot because you don't want to sh butt shoot them and then have them run away and mm -hmm. then not be able to find your animal. And, yeah. um, so make a clean shot. So I didn't get my buck that year. Um, that was, and then, um, kind of long story short, life happens, you're a kid, you got school, you got sports. So yeah. I didn't the, go. The life of the youth hunter. Yeah. School, sports, hunting. Yeah. So it kind of went to the back seat. Well, um, as I got older and started um, hunting again, and I was married at the time, I had two kids, and one of the things I wanted to do was go on a hunt with my dad. Well, my dad still had ingrained in his brain that I was a kid and I was an inexperienced hunter, even though I had already bagged probably three or four deer with Rob. And um, so I was considered myself an experienced hunter. So but I, in his eyes, you were still his little girl that yeah, still wasn't quite old. there yet. Yep, still a 12 year old that was gonna butt shoot a buck. <laughs> Um, then I got all excited. So anyway, um, for me to want to go elk hunting in my family, that was kind of a taboo because women were not allowed in elk camp. Mm -hmm. And Why was that? for me to even ask, that was a, that was a big ask of the family. Yes. So, um, asked dad if I could go hunting he says well unfortunately we have to ask um, the other parties that hunt in the group so um, my dad had to call um, the other two hunters that dad hunted with every year and make sure that I had permission from them to go hunting with them and um, so I got permission and then it came down to well you know, if you're going to go hunting with us, you have to provide your own lodging. You have to make sure you bring your own food. 
you can't just come up and hunt and expect us to provide everything for you. Um, so I did. So I, how, when you first heard that, what was your first thoughts of how they presented that to you? Um, I thought it was uh, horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, just the fact of being able to go hunt with my dad. Yeah. I didn't care what the other two thought. I, yeah. I just wanted to hunt with my dad for one time. Yeah. Just all all, all the other things were not really in your mind. You no. were more or less wanting to go have that experience with your dad. Yeah. And the rest of it was kind of like just white noise in the background. Yeah. Because I didn't care less if I hunted with Uncle John and Stanley. It was, I wanted to go with my dad and prove to him that I was a successful hunter. Yeah. And I was a grown woman. Yeah. So, long story short, I packed the trailer. I packed the truck. And Dad said, well, if you're going to take your trailer, then I'll just ride with you. So, I had to drive my own trailer <laughs> with my dad. And he'd been taking Koi. Our son, since Koi was five years old, so Koi was like eight years old at this time. Was he with you? And so I had Koi and my dad and myself, and we headed to Mount Emily, which is where we hunted, and it was off of uh, Phillips Road. Anyway, set up camp, got everything lined out, and <laughs> I, it was quite the experience, let me tell you. My dad drew me a map of the hunting area so I could know where I was hunting. I And I'm not kidding you, they only hunted in maybe of a quarter of a mile to a half mile area. And there was this canyon. And I'm not- Less, less than walking distance from camp. Less than going to the lake from this house. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, they, they ventured real far from camp. <laughs> yeah. No. Economic, just, economical hunters. They just hunted in a circle, and there was this really nice canyon, and I'm not a track, I don't like hunt tracks or anything, but the day before hunting, the season opened, we had to go out, and we had to walk the boundaries yeah. of where we hunted so I wouldn't get lost. And did, you, did you get a lot of that sense of... They were very worried about you getting lost in the woods. Oh, very. Very much. I had to wear they a radio. Were... <laughs> I felt like I was 12. Yeah. I'm like, you, come you on, get, Dad. You couldn't get lost over there if you had to. It, you know, I really enjoyed the experience of being with my dad. Um, Rob and Caitlin, my daughter, they came over and joined us for the weekend and hunted. I, I truly had a great time. It just wasn't the experience I really wanted to have because I wanted to prove to them that I could hunt mm -hmm. and not be babied. Yeah. And the whole time um, that we were over there, I, I felt like I was on a leash. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's unfortunate. Very degrading. Very degrading. Because in their eyes, it, it just it almost degraded them, the fact that I have a woman in camp. Yeah. And, and in the... 14 years that I've been around you, I've never had that sense of feeling that you don't know where you're at and you're not capable of finding your way to anywhere. Well, so to hear you say that that they were that you felt like you were being babysat is it's really a generational difference to where those guys came up 
thinking that women belonged in the kitchen and that's not the demographic that you fit into. No, and my mom hunted and but my mom got lost one year hunting in the Ochi Coast. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know if he like thought, Oh my god, since Evelyn got lost one year that's she's not gonna a get thing. she's gonna get lost. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. But yeah. it was just we're walking through the woods and I'm I, I guarantee you there is plenty of grown men that have been lost in the woods. If okay. you haven't been turned around in the woods, you haven't been in the woods. I mean, yeah. I got lost in the woods one time and, camping. And, and, and that's kind of what's hard about the what we have today is with such low women hunter numbers is because of those generations of people saying, no, you telling their daughters, no, you can't come out with us because you don't know what you're doing. Well, if you don't teach your kids what you're doing, whether they're male or female, yeah, they're not going to. Well, I think also back then there was, and we heard it yesterday too, some families, deer hunting is a vacation. Yeah. So, and it is, it's a lot of fun. It's vacation. That's what we have. Yeah. That's our vacation time with our family is yeah. deer and, elk and hunting. <coughs> deer and hunting's vacation. Elk hunting is... Is a vacation as yeah, well. Yeah. But to some, deer hunting is a lot of fun and relaxed. And then when you turn to elk hunting... It does become a little bit more serious because you're hunting a total different animal. Yeah. And you have to take it a little bit more serious because you have yeah. a weather difference. You have yeah. um, geographic difference if you hunt in a different location. But um, we heard it yesterday that a young man said that he'd rather go deer hunting than elk hunting because there's less pressure deer hunting than there is elk hunting. And we're like, hmm. there's... That's interesting. Well, I think that pressure was because, let's face it, the way we deer hunt is pretty relaxed and pretty simple. But elk season, you got to get out there, you got to work, you got to cover yeah. some miles, and so it become work. Yeah. And I think pressure to the kids today are is the pressure of not riding around in a pickup or a ranger yeah. or a four-wheeler and hunting. It's get your butt out there and get Well, and like we've been talking, we've been doing scouting for elk hunting, and we've been looking up and down all these roads, just preseason scouting. Where have we seen tracks? We've seen tracks where ain't nobody going to be driving. Yep. In, in the There's, thick stuff. And, elk camp, and where we see tracks going into is someplace you can't drive into. Yep. But elk camp is also, you you know, like us, we, we tan it. So you got all the towns to take over. You got a lot more shit to take over. You got a lot more prep to do. Yeah. A lot Besides, more wood to cut. Where you guys hunt, you can't take a trailer. So, well, we could. Well, you can, act. but if it snows, then you've got that other you obstacle because now you're looking at snow and you got to get your trailer down these hills. There's, yeah. there's so, nothing, so what I what I grew up camp. hearing about elk hunting is the greatest known phrase. What happens at elk camp stays, stays at elk yeah. camp. And as I get older, I see that is what we do up here. Don't tell your fucking mom, because <laughs> mom's not allowed at elk camp. And, you know that was that's kind of what I grew up hearing. Well, I th I think I'm you're, still and I think that's what Denise experienced firsthand. Yeah. Is well, I don't know because this is you know this is where all the whiskey gets drank and this is yeah. where all the nudie magazines get looked at. Yeah, but no, <laughs> I've I mean we've hunted together since we got married. So yeah, but. The first elk hunting trip I went on, it was I had a tag. My dad didn't have tag. He took me up, and we get up there in the spot that he knew a couple of the old farts that were up there. And guess what's all over the the wall tent? Nothing but whiskey and nudie magazines. 
so it's that you know what happens at elk camp stays at elk camp so i totally understand i don't i can't say i totally understand but i could see where she's breaking that barrier of trying to get there because it, she's not fighting the gender barrier she just wants to be a hunter she wants to go experience this the, well, yeah, have I, this experience with her dad well, i think a lot of it is the women don't want to you know and i'm not saying they don't want to but there's that persona of they won't go get firewood they won't do this they won't do that yeah. they're there to cook and you know for us we all cook we all go get firewood yeah. she goes and gets firewood but you know i think it's also the difference in women i mean there's people there's, who want to hunt and there's people who don't want to well hunt. i mean well, yeah. let's face it I elk mean, hunting's colder than shit oh yeah i mean and to sit outside drink whiskey and have a good time you, you got to be about half tough or it's not going to work I'm getting ready to experience that. Because there is a difference of elk and deer hunting because, again, the weather, there's a change. And we hunt in a wall tent, or we stay in a wall tent versus a trailer house. So you have to break it down and think, well, okay, you're still in a tent. No, you're in a canvas tent. Yeah. It's, there's a lot more work. You have to put up a wood stove. You've got to keep that stove going. And you've got to, you can't just roll out a sleeping bag and sleep on the floor because the ground's wet. And then what are you going to put for a floor? Tarp. So, you know, yeah, my, my it first draws moisture. My first three elk hunting experiences was you show up to camp the first day. It's kind of a little bit chilly, but nice day out. The next morning you wake up, there's a foot of snow on the ground. That's lakes, That's late season elk hunting in Oregon. You yeah, know, yeah we've, we've been there to where everybody brought their trailers and they end up in our wall tents with a stove in there. My dad was one of them that... Because there's a lot of places in Oregon, if it starts snowing, you better get your trailer mm-hmm. out or you yeah. ain't getting it out. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. And, I have seen that, and I've seen that firsthand, you know, the first elk hunting, the first and third elk hunting trip that I went in, the first one we were staying at the ranch, so we didn't have any of that problem, but there was that much snow on the ground that if we'd have been somewhere that we hadn't, but the third one I went was up, was a, that spike, general season spike tag that you can get. We were up in the Winnehaws for a spike tag. And there's foot and a half snow every single day. We had to use the truck to make sure we packed down the road just to get to the main road from where we're camped out. And it was only a hundred yards off the main road, that, but we had to pack the road down with snow just to make sure we get the trucks out when we were ready to leave. No, oh, yeah, Larry and I, I mean, hell, we've just been skirting off of those trailers and the guts out of the bottom of them. And yeah, but you just don't. To me, you just don't stay warm in a trailer house when it gets real cold fan kicks on and off you're burning a shit ton of propane but you're not hot but yeah. you're, but you're but like the running batteries grandpa. you just send it <laughs> <laughs> all right uh-huh. so continue on with the the first year elk um it, you know uh, there's really not much more to say it was it was not the experience that i really wanted he treated koi way better as a hunting partner than than me, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, again, I think that's the difference in gender being old school. Honestly, I don't think it's an old school thing. I think it's just the the elk camp has always been the guys' weekend getaway thing, and and I kind of referenced this in a previous podcast, and I really once I said it, I really stuck my foot in my mouth to myself as far as my beliefs and what I said didn't really line up you 
I, I think it was we were talking to Jacob when he talked about yep. killing the deer in Missouri, and they were talking about this. And I said that well, they kind of they kind of introduced you to the club, and that's kind of the perception mm-hmm. is it's oh, a club, mm-hmm. and it really and it, and I think that's why the amount of hunters that are females is so down is because so many women don't want to get into it because they perceive it as a men's club. And I don't think that's right. No, that was one of the things I was going to change when I was a husband and a father is just make sure that if you want to hunt, yeah. you get a hunt. Yeah. And if you don't, I mean, I've, I know a lot of people that guys and gals that have went out, shot their first animal yeah. and they're done. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. not for everyone. But. And that's what I, I love about Caitlin is she wants to hunt. Yes, she does have her stipulations on how she wants to <laughs> but hunt. But she hunts in But, but... <laughs> She's not the only person that has those stipulations. There's a lot of there is a lot of fair weather hunters. She said she wants to kill an elk, but she doesn't want to be cold. And I said, well, you're gonna to have to learn how to shoot a bow then. Yeah, those two things don't. And line so, up, but. so she has started. She's starting to broaden her horizon, and she is willing to to learn that new skill. And I think that's gonna that's gonna help her be a better hunter if that's an avenue she wants to go down. I don't know if she really understands how many miles that means. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, as a family, we've always, we really don't care. Yeah, so. I, I was I was so happy that you guys opened up to me being hunters and, and bringing me into that family of hunting, you know, the first year that we were together of, of yeah, we're putting in here, if he wants to come in with us, you know, bring him on, and I thought that was very admirable, and I don't know if a lot of people do that, but that's kind of a... I think from what a lot of people perceive as trying to find a hunting spot and people to go hunting with and you guys really opened up to me and said you're part of the family come on with us well i think like rob said if you if you want to hunt you're more than welcome to to come hunt with us yeah um we don't we don't have a whole lot of rules we don't make people feel out of place we you know we we're a family so yeah, we don't we don't have thousands of private acres to go hunt we're no. we're camping on <clears throat> national forest and we're hunting public property and everybody kind of has to pull their own weight as far as how the camp goes but we're there to have fun we're there to vacation no different than if we went on a fishing trip um, yeah you know we're just we have rifles and we're hunting big game and some years you got to hunt a little harder than others yeah, yeah. In elk well, hunting, you you don't get to just drive around roads. You have to actually get out and walk, and and you've got to walk miles. I mean, Rob and I last year for cow season, we um we hiked thirty miles almost Ooh, every day. That sounds like a lot of miles. just to locate the elk to begin with, and that's that's kind of what you have to do. You have to. I mean, if you've got a big bull tag. You gotta go out and scout your area and know what what you have in front of you and, and what you have to look for. Yeah, elk so, hunting elk hunting definitely takes more time. I mean unless you just get flat ass lucky, but so kind of the long story short, I enjoyed spending the week with my dad. Um, it was the one and only time I ever went elk hunting with him. And I don't regret it, but I can tell you I learned a lot, and I can will tell you that I would, if my granddaughters want to hunt and they want to elk hunt, 
they are more than welcome to go and and enjoy the experience. Obviously, they need to know that they have to dress for it and yeah. be equipped properly. And same with Caitlin. Um, we're getting ready to have our daughter-in-law go on an elk hunt for the first time. And she went with us one year when we had our trailer. And it, yeah, this is going to be a different experience. It's, it's going to be a total different experience for her because she's actually going to be a tag holder and she's going to go out and do the work. Be the one responsible for and, pulling yeah, the trigger. Exactly. Where before she she just got to hang out at camp and enjoy the weather and it was it was great weather while while they were there for the weekend. But um, but I think there's. <laughs> There's no same year. Oh, I, yeah. I don't care where you go. or. And, and we have had real weird fluctuations of weather for seasons the past 10 years. Like, it's usually, you know, pretty mild. It's supposed to be pretty mild for deer hunting, and then it's supposed to drop off Even elk for hunting. elk hunting. But then it, we've had quite a few years that has been real shitty weather for deer hunting, and then elk hunting it has been like... The weird the the seasons have just fluctuated so oddly the past handful of years. So you know every year's different, and it depends on your tag. I mean, yeah. we're going oh, yeah. second season elk next week, and then we come back, and then um, Rob goes cow hunting over Thanksgiving with a with our daughter-in-law and a friend of ours. So, and the weather's supposed to be different. In just one week time. Yeah. So, um, even up here, I mean, the weather's supposed to be fairly decent for you guys. So, yeah. Hopefully, the elk will be out running around. The pretty. I'm, I'm kind of hoping for at least a good dusting of snow, if not more for snow, more than that, <laughs> just, just to make it a little easier. Because, because we're going to be elk hunting in a spot where you don't get to get up on ridges and spot for elk and and it's pretty thick where we're gonna hunt too pretty and thick where we're gonna hunt yeah so we're gonna kind of dive off into the areas that there's no roads they can get into to hopefully find them in some sanctuary because they're not rutting they're probably with that last dusting of snow they got last week they're probably going to start bacheloring up i was kind of sad when you told me that they weren't going to be in the rut because i was pa- practicing You've my been elk practicing bugle. bugling for months and i told Without you that's a reed. not gonna work <laughs> no, you missed that. Yeah, we're not we're not hunting them in the rut, so they're not gonna be bugling, so we're not gonna be able to call them in. We got to go in there and find them. But it's possible. You seen Bob's wall? Oh yeah. We, my grandpa Spud's got a friend. He, he's killed a lot of animals over time, and he's, him and his son have like, maybe like half of his shop filled up with elk and deer and a moose and actually a caribou was given to him by some person I don't yeah somebody he knows and I just thought it was pretty cool to see all those animals because my I've hear I'm hearing stories from my grandpa Spud and um sounds like they party a lot at elk camp, but I don't hear a lot of animals getting shot. Well, they have, they have a good time, but they they hunt in a pretty t- 
tough area where it's opportunity. You got to be in the right place at the right time. Can't wait for my grandpa Spud to get on this podcast so we can talk about his encounter. His cougar encounter. Yeah, yeah. we'll get, we'll get him on the podcast to tell everybody his cougar encounter. Have you guys had a uh, cougar or bear encounter? No, I've never had one. Well, you should tell them the story about so, the time that a bear stood up in front of you and oh, your, yeah. your dad hunted cougars a lot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, we hunted a lot, but this doges. You know, he beat that one to death with a with a rifle, but and I have that rifle too. So your dad grew up in the era of where you could hunt cougars in Oregon with dogs. Yeah. What do you remember of that? That was just my uncle Lauren and my dad used to hunt a lot with cougars, but or uh, dogs. We had dogs when I was a kid, but uh, yeah, I never heard. I mean, it wasn't a. I guess the thing is, the cougar wouldn't stalk you. You had dogs running them. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, just the one that sticks in my mind was that time he had one treed and it jumped out, and started putting the putting the herd on some dogs, and so was yeah. it Tom. Yeah, yeah, and he couldn't. Uh, I've heard that a lot of. Toms will. Yeah, wouldn't. Toms are not the ones that are just going to stand there and let them bark at them. Yeah, Toms the ri- are going to. The rifle wouldn't shoot, and so he went in and beat it to death. And you guys have the gun that. Yeah. I have with the a broken gun. stock. Broke and, a stock over a cougar. And we have and the, the firing cat, pin. So. Yeah. And the firing pin is actually locked, so that's why it, it, every time like. Yeah, he had to I hit it with sh- a hammer or a rock or something. But anyway. That's, that's the old man. He was a little goofy. <laughs> he, was, he was... Yeah, I've never... The stories, he was hard I mean, I've been in canyons, you know, to where you kind of think something's kind of like watching you, but you don't... I mean, it's, you don't freak out, but I've never had one come down and walk me down or... I, I mean, Coy and I, we were up bear hunting. We had a couple bears stand up next to us, but, you know, probably 20 yards, but... You said you were on a like a rock. Side. Yeah, we were on stumps looking at them, but I mean they weren't aggressive. They just they were curious and stood up and looked at us. Curious, and, George. But they were small bears, so we didn't shoot them. But. Well, and the story that my buddy Jacob told—that's really the first story that I've heard of somebody saying of a black bear encounter. And he got in—he just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong, wrong time, time of being in the area of uh, a sow with cubs. Most black bears that I've heard, you know, the black bear that I shot, the second it saw me, it took off running yeah. the other direction. It was yeah, like, that's... I'm getting the F out of here. I'll tell you, the, probably the only thing I've ever had track me down is a goddamn badger. A yeah, badger? oh, <laughs> badgers. Oh, badgers. Holy moly. I gotta get Brian Swaggered on the... To tell his uh, Papa Charlie's badger story. I don't think the internet's ready for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good story. Coy and I had a badger that just wouldn't leave us alone. There are he kept flattening out, running towards us, flattening out, so I shot him in the face with a 338. And, <laughs> but I saw my uncle Coy shoot the 338 that was in that case that he brought home. He said it actually hurt his shoulder. Yeah. He's a pretty, he's a a big pretty gun. big, big, pretty big person for the for a gun that's like. You put on about 60 pounds, we'll let you shoot it. <laughs> I don't think I want to shoot a gun that yet. i gotta, so, sh- I got to shoot my dad. So, Rob, tell first. us how you got introduced into hunting and what has well, been the adventure for you. For me, my dad my dad hunted a lot, but he worked so much, we didn't hunt a lot together. I mean, I remember going when I was 8, 9 years old and go over to Durkee, but, you know, for years I'd go, I'd catch a ride with, Dean or Jack or somebody that was going over and you know I was kind of 
when had it, I was old enough to have a tag, but couldn't drive for quite a while, and and uh, yeah, they just kind of take me around as a lost kid. But it was always uh, it was always a good time. And then when I got 16, you know, you can start driving. So Larry and I, we hunted all over the place. That's what I can't wait for. And then you know, you get married and you have kids, and Denise started finally started wanting to, wanting to hunt. For years she she'd go, but didn't want to shoot. And then finally she was like, I want to start shooting. So, you know, that was that was the big thing for me. And then the kind of the coolest thing which you're getting into is having the kids. I mean, it's yeah. all about taking kids. Yeah, that, that's where I was going to go next is how, yep. how, how that evolution for you started from from hunting. And then all of a sudden now you have kids hunting. Oh, when the kids hunt, that's that's a kick in the ass. Sounds I mean, fun. Yeah, I mean, Especially I just... Both the kids always got into hunting, wanted to go hunting, like didn't mind the the killing part, which is, you know, if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But, you know, and then the first time you take the kids out and they get a deer and, you know, like Caitlin, you know, <laughs> she is a crack up. But, she hunts in flip-flops. Yeah. <laughs> Last time we went deer hunting, my mom hunted in flip-flops and she hiked all the way down a canyon with my uncle. Yeah, when you get to that point, it's pretty cool because it's... You know, you never know if the kids are going to want to hunt. Yeah. If they can handle it, for one thing. Because there's a lot of emotional thing that goes on. I mean, I know people that couldn't wait to shoot a deer, and they shot the first one, they're done. I mean, they just can't yeah. do it again. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it's it's cool because the whole family hunts. And I could care less whether they pull the trigger, but everybody wants to go. Yeah. But for me, I've always... I don't know. My dad, I mean, I probably hunted with my dad, what, five, six times. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of kids, they get a... And so I was going to make sure that my kids grew up to where if they wanted to go hunting, I was there to hunt with them. Yeah. And, you know, so far we've killed a lot of animals and had a lot of fun. And now you got, grand, you know, now we have grandkids, so that's even more fun. Yeah sucked about this year is I didn't draw the tag that I wanted to. Yeah, we we have not had a good run of luck of drawing tags God, the I've past handful one. of years. It's like, we've been putting in for them. We just, we're starting to get points to where it's going to happen. I haven't had shit for two years. Yeah. Th- this elk tag that we have, that's the first tag I've, dr- that's the first tag I've drawn in five years. My first elk that's tag. That's the first... I- that's the first. This is the first tag that you've drawn. And I get to shoot a I've, I, You know, we've done. We've pulled. You know, over the counter general season tags and haven't been successful. But that's kind of. Nope. It's been a rough, rough go for us. I yeah. mean, we had. You had cow tags last year, but I had the cow tag before. But that's the last tag I had. Other than the general spike that we yeah. did this year, but. And this year I'm pretty lucky. I get to hunt for shit three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a rule. I mean, when we go hunting, if it's your first time hunting, we don't even take our rifles out with us. Yeah. Until that first time hunter yeah. bags their animal. Yeah. And you know, we're there's always somebody there to support them. Yeah. Just in case things go bad, but they sit in the front seat they sit up in the ranger whoever you know they're they're going with their dad or we're we're looking for the animal for them to get i've had more fun being the guide than i have 
actually hunting, I think. Yeah. I just can't wait to hunt with you guys. Yeah, I, oh. I, I didn't really understand it when I was a kid, when my grandpa had told me, he's like, I've killed so many deer, I don't even fucking care if I kill another one. Yeah. He's I, like, I am here <laughs> to have a good time with you. I want to see you be successful. And that is, that is now my focal point of hunting, is you got a tag, you're with me. Let's go out and hunt. I, you know, I've. But it was the same way when I took, you know, the first time you got to go with us. Yeah. I mean, it was about you and I think Koi. Koi had a tag. Yeah. yeah. You and and we had, and that would just happen to be one of those years. It was a shitty weather, yep. different than anything other, and we worked our asses off for this. There that? was nothing shittier than when me, you, and Denise were up there and oh. goddamn snow and. Oh shit. yeah. Inside, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Jeez. we've had some. Oh, yeah, that year that I came over for a weekend. Yeah. I drove my car over, locked my keys in the car on the side of the highway <laughs> to take a leak. Had to have somebody drive me into camp. My AAA comes. My car is still running, sitting on the side of the road. Oh, yeah, that was a nightmare. Oh, it's still running? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had pulled over on the side of the highway to take a leak because, you know, it's a six-hour trip. <laughs> Didn't roll the window down. I hit the lot. I hit the... I had stopped at the town before to get something to drink and that's why I had to go to the bathroom and so I locked all the doors and as I got out of the car to go take a leak my elbow hit the lock button <laughs> locked the other door locked the driver's door throw my log away that it's, thing's kick ass it's, it's working good <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that yeah that that year you know, I only had a couple I had a basically a day and a half to hunt. I, I forgot about the lock and the keys in the car. Yeah, I lock, yeah. We had we had we had we sat on the side of the road and behind the car waiting right. for AAA yeah. to come get it. It's like, oh, I think we had a good forty-five minute nap waiting for the tow truck to come to unlock us out of the car. So what you need to do, I thought that was the funniest story you told me, is about the time you had you almost shot over Papa when that deer jumped across. Yeah, the road. that was the first hunting trip. You need to tell him about yeah. that. Yeah, tell them about that. that. That's just those goddamn deer were in the wrong spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had shot the deer, and he come running across in front of us, and all he heard was me jacking another shell in and seeing a deer coming across of him, and he didn't want to be in the way, so he fucking ducked for cover. I slid off that bike like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was, was that also the year that you had to run after you a were Koi's you order? were so you were born in July and yeah, it was Koi's October was so one. you were only a couple months old when that happened. That I thought that's pretty funny too. You have to chase after that brand new four wheeler. Yeah, good old was, Koi. And that was the year that Koi shot the first one because yeah, I shot a hole in my four wheel my four wheeler bag. <laughs> Sighting in your rifle. Sighting in my rifle. And that was the year that Koi shot that long, sh- that long shot. Koi shot that long shot. and I damn near lost it coming back up the hill. And yeah, you almost lost the deer come, coming back up on the four-wheeler. Was Koi, Koi was hanging on to the back of my four-wheeler as we were going up the hill. And you launched him off. Because he did a backflip off the back of my four-wheeler. Oh, yeah, that was a... That was a pretty good shit Yeah, show. I don't think we got back to camp that night till what, like 11 o'clock, because Bug and Steve were coming up to... No, that was Denise and Caitlin came up the road as we were coming down. No, it was Bug and Steve. Was it? Yeah, yeah Bug and Steve. Oh, we had Bubba. Yeah. Bubba was itty-bitty. Oh, because you told them where we were heading, so they yeah. were coming up yeah. to see if we needed yeah. help packing out or anything. trying to keep Caitlin And Caitlin calm was having a coronary because we weren't back yet. Yeah, and we had a rule that... Unless there was an issue, everybody was back before dark. There was an issue. We and had a goddamn so deer a long way down the hill. So that's why we always made a rule that if you're going 
going to go, you got to tell us where you're going because if you're not out, if you don't come back after dark, then at least we know where to go look for you. And so that was the first, you know, Caitlin's never experienced anything like that. So hey, that's hunting. And she had a little baby, so it was trying to keep her calm. So Bug and Steve took off up after you guys, and they didn't even get what half a mile out of camp. Yeah, they, yeah, get, they weren't they, very far. They didn't even get to the water tower. Really? Yeah. And here you guys came. So we only had to drag that deer like 500 yards. When it yeah, fell but off. It was that four-wheeler ride out of there. The four-wheeler ride out of there was the experience. <laughs> it wasn't the shooting it or the dragging it. It was the riding out of the canyon we were in. Because that road that was down below us had a fence down yeah, there. we couldn't get to it. We couldn't get to the, we couldn't get to it because that was even farther. Yeah, we spent probably two hours trying to get in there. Yeah. Yeah, because we had to go, we had to go like five ridges over, yep. and, and then, then we had to, we finally them. found a spot we could get down, and then we were trying to maneuver through the six feet tall brush just to get over there. Yeah, but isn't that the adventure part of yeah, deer hunting? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's God damn near lost the four-wheeler and the deer. Yeah, almost lost the boy. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time that he was on the back, and I hit a chunk of sagebrush, and we were that oh, four-wheeler was it had to have been on the back of it i thought and that's we, when he fell off no he didn't fall off after that but he was not riding anymore after that he said so, he was walking after that yeah, he oh, said God, he all i seen was a headlight go straight in the air and coy was like i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's been a good time talking with everybody so uh we're gonna sign off for tonight and we will catch you next time on the horizon